0: In Estonia, in Estonia, in Estonia, in the club. Welcome to Tenant Men. Welcome to Tenant Men. I am your host, Steve, and I am joined by Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We will be doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I am on the red team moving forward through the film. Kevin is on the blue team traveling in reverse. How are you, Kevin? Kevin. I am good. I spent some time today
1: um figuring out exactly where I am in the movie compared to where you are. And the more I do that the more I feel like we are actually in the same time <laughs> right now.
0: We're close. We're
1: yeah, really close. Like I, the events that you're watching are happening at the same time the events I'm watching and or close or adjacent. Um
0: I feel like they're constantly overlapping is what I feel like.
1: Yeah, which almost, it makes sense. And also just like reaffirms the silly project we're doing.
0: (laughs) Uh, It absolutely does. Yeah. Actually, if you were to take your hands and fold your fingers together in a silly way, you could say that's how the timeline of the movie looks. (laughs) I don't know. You'd have to. I don't know uh i I open it up and i see all the people (laughs) (laughs) i just want i just want more of the silly handshake that you know that we see in the beginning of the movie and then we see it one other time but never again you know yeah i that's another thing that's coming up
1: maybe in your minute this this or next but i will bring it up because i feel like there are some loops that get closed and others that are left open
0: that never get closed. I believe that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, wanna, I definitely want to explore that. Yeah, I, I, um, I can't tell if it's
1: like left on the cutting room floor, if it was just a missed opportunity or I'm
0: reading too much into it. <laughs> all right, I'm ready to jump into my minute. But before yeah. I do, I have to ask you a really random non-tenant related question, actually. Oh, great. I'm glad we're doing this on, we're documenting this for posterity. We, I, I want to, I think it needs to. It's oh, been we this... should
1: call, we should do this
0: more often and just call it <laughs>
1: documenting things for posterity.
0: <laughs> this has been a seriously hot debate at work this week. And huh? uh, I just need, I need your expertise in this, right? Mm-hmm. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Hmm.
1: I've been asked this question before I have no strong opinion however at its heart I would define a sandwich as oh, I would say yes because I would define a sandwich as a um, I'm struggling for the words, but some sort of contents in the middle between two pieces of bread. There is a piece of bread. There is liminal space where you put another item, meat, vegetables, meat and vegetables, only meat, and then another bun. And so for me, a sandwich is the existence of liminal space filled by something other than bread within uh, a piece of bread. Which would also right. maybe include a pierogi and other weird pastries, but uh, a hot dog is certainly not a pastry. So I will go with a sandwich.
0: Okay, I also <laughs> I also believe it's a sandwich, but I was uh, kind of outnumbered. In, wow. in, in my my philosophy here, right? I find more uh, people agree with it being a sandwich because what else would it, what else would it be? It's just a hot dog. It's not a sandwich. It's a thing right? unto itself. Yes, exactly. Which I, you know. I don't, I don't agree with right. I don't agree with that lifestyle, if I may. <laughs> if this, this is where I would counter, if if it's a sausage, is it a sandwich? So, if it's I a mean, bratwurst. yeah, there was a couple of like differing, differing thoughts here. One is the bread, right? And I feel like it always comes back to the bread. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. We have real, <laughs> to do. but like a bun, you can't put a sandwich on a bun. A bun is is something else. Right. And then it's like, well, well, how do you define a bun? Right. And sometimes it's called a roll, right? A sandwich is on a roll surely, but not a bun. Yeah. And then uh, to your previous point about like, you know, like kind of like dessert types of bread. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. they don't count. Right. Like someone was saying like a Subway sandwich is not a sandwich in Europe because the sugar content in the bread is so high that it's actually a dessert. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's like it the, the pastry argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, Which I'll it, accept. I'll accept that. I I would actually also accept that Subway doesn't make sandwiches. Uh, I don't I don't know what they make, but hardly a sandwich. <laughs> they they make me question why why am I in a Subway and why yes. do we
1: allow you to take this name of Subway? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I feel as a New Yorker, like there should be a better rest fast food chain called subway and it should sell like hot dogs <laughs> or better <laughs> sandwiches, <laughs> hot,
0: hot dog sandwiches. Um, anyway. All right. Yeah. I'm glad we could spend a lot of time debating this. I don't want but to tell us
1: if we're wrong too.
0: Yeah. You tell, I, I, but you need to have a well-defined argument
1: and, def- and define what is a sandwich. And then that definition needs to clearly explain why a hot dog is not a
0: sandwich. Yeah, I need I need a real argument here. So bring it at Tenant Men. <laughs> tell us what you think. All I'm right, let's look for
1: our next podcast. Hot Dog Men. <laughs> Hot Dog Men.
0: <laughs> I can't wait for that one. <clears throat> All right, let's jump into it. Uh, I am on the blue team. I think. <laughs> no, you're on forth. the red team. <laughs> I am on the red team. <laughs> I am now positive. I am on the red team moving forward through time. Uh, my minute today is thirty six twenty one to thirty seven twenty one. I'm never going to get it right.
1: No.
0: <laughs> I would 36. love it if, like in the Matrix uh, sequel,
1: like it, all of a sudden Neo's like, wait, did I take the red pill or the blue pill? <laughs> what is reality?
0: <laughs> which one? Which pill takes you? Which which pill frees you? The blue pill or the red pill? That's a great question. I think it's been so corrupted now. I, I forgot. <laughs> I don't know. Like, by tenant definition, I would hope it's the blue pill that frees your mind because red is standard time. Uh, yeah, red is standard and blue is inverted. But I also, like, already don't like that. I feel like blue should be standard and red should be not normal. I, mean, I think that's why I keep messing this up, actually. Because, like, red <laughs> to me seems like it should be the not like you know red is like oh there's a problem there's an alert you know mm-hmm. blue is like oh calm and, and whatnot so there's an association there that I'm that's why I'm messing it up
1: <laughs>
0: yeah all right I'm on the red team starting at 3621 to 3721 this is kind of part three I would say in this dialogue that's been happening um, between cat and the protagonist and the protagonist and Neil and Neil, and this guy named Klaus, (laughs) and (laughs) sometimes it all intertwines. Um, We left off last week with Neil and Klaus. Uh, Neil is getting a tour of the Freeport. Uh, They were talking about the, the halide gas putting out fires instead of using sprinklers, and we pick up at 3621, Neil talking to Klaus, can you show me? really excited, alluding to like, hey, can you show me like, the procedure where you fill up these chambers with halide gas? And <laughs> Klaus is like, if I did, we'd suffocate. Uh, and Neil says, what about the staff? Klaus responds, halide only fills the vaults. They just have to get into either corridor, and there is a 10-second warning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Neil says, at least you give them 10 seconds. <laughs> Uh, imagine being an employee here. Um, Klaus says, "Well, sir, our clients use us because we have no priorities above their property." And then Neil says, "Blimey!" Yeah, that's the meme. It's one of the yeah.
1: Blimey, it's probably the one of the biggest memes of the of the, the
0: definitely. Movie. Um, yeah, it is. Just think about like this free freeport. I I don't can't remember if we talked about this last week either. But like this freeport's mission statement, right? Like, oh, you're applying for work at this freeport. Great, Uh, you're going to put your life on the line for some asshole's art. And you have to go through airport security every day. Uh, (laughs) You know, talk to anybody who works at the airport. It's
1: a hassle getting to work. Yeah, parking's terrible.
0: Uh, (laughs) I mean, there's
1: like
0: it's it's. I hope these I hope these Freeport people are paid well. Seems like they are. I mean, actually, knowing rich people, they're
1: probably not. (laughs) No, that's what I mean. Yeah, Uh, Klaus is probably pulling in six figures, but uh,
0: the (laughs) (laughs) The janitor probably ain't. All right, so that takes us to thirty-six forty-four, and actually, it brings us to a whole new scene. Yeah,
1: we're
0: gonna get
1: another Uh, person. It's one quick second. If you can quickly, what word translates uh, from English to American for blimey? Dope. Really? I don't know. (laughs) I would think it would be more like fuck. (laughs) Oh, you think so? I I think it's more like, well, fuck me, you know, or shit, you know? I don't know. It's like seems to be they have their own word for something. We just take another curse word for and put an affect on.
0: I I thought it was like, it's like something. Oh, that surprised me. Oh man. I have to look this up. I thought it was like, oh, that's great. But you're saying it's like, damn. Yeah. Like that. Like just like, just saying a curse with an affect on it. Okay. I think you're right. Yeah. So used to express one surprise, excitement, or alarm. So I'm going to go with damn. Yeah. Or any,
1: yeah any, you can, you you can substitute any curse word in there for it, but damn
0: is probably better actually i'll go with uh did you watch the wire oh yeah so the the she. oh yeah <laughs> god i love that guy uh, yeah i'm going with that uh, okay. <laughs> um all right i love it yeah okay yeah just quick aside 3644 so we're at a new scene um but it's kind of a smooth transition because now it's the protagonist and neil talking about uh the freeport post neil's tour of the freeport Mm -hmm. um so we're walking through an airport terminal the airport the oslo airport there's so many um, locations in these, like, one right. minute. Yeah, I know. In yeah, no, these, like,
1: three minutes, you've gone through, like, four locations, Neil's in completely different outfits in
0: each one. And we're not done. We have another one coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now they're at the airport. Neil, I think, is carrying uh, a bag. Uh, the protagonist is not. It's like a roller bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so Neil kicks off. He says, all doors are fireproof. Uh, hydraulic closers, simple key, and electronic triggers. Surprisingly easy once there's a lockdown. Protagonist says, mm-hmm. "Why a lockdown?" Neil says, "Power switches to fail-safe sealing the outer doors, but inner doors revert to factory settings and pickable locks." Uh, that's actually a pretty. So here's another. This is another piece of dialogue that I never really picked up on until re, you know rewatching this for for the podcast. But like he's basically saying like. They don't need to hack the key code on the door. And this actually makes sense too, when we go to the heist part, they don't need to know the, what the, like the programmed key codes are on the door because the lockdown is going to make them revert to factory settings and they can get the factory codes pretty easily from you know the manufacturer's website. In, in the heist trade,
1: this is what's called a Hans Gruber special because <laughs> it was the same thing they did in Die Hard. They got the, they got the FBI to cut the, cut the power to the building so they can get through the final lock.
0: Wow, I you know, I didn't put that together, but that's incredible, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. And pick up a lock, the protagonist is uh, mulling it all over. He says, hmm. <laughs> and then Neil says, it's child's play, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, protagonist. Child's play? They're inside airport security. They have to worry about climate control, not armed raids. And now we change scenes. Yeah, I know. Here we go. Here we go. So we're going to change scenes. Now we're on like the airport shuttle. Uh, I think it's a bus. It could be a train. I think it's a bus. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do change the conversation a little, right? Yeah. So Neil says, so how do we get enough firepower through the perimeter to trigger the lockdown procedure? Uh, and Neil says, looking at the freeport, because they're at the airport. Um, and Neil says, back wall of the freeport. And the protagonist says, you've got something neil says not gonna like it and then we change scene again like now here we go this is the i think this is the most scrutinized scene chain in the movie uh because yeah. neil like you know said you're not gonna like it right um and now we scene change now they're walking down an oslo city street and the protagonist says you want to crash a plane right so <laughs> I don't know how much time it takes to get from that shuttle bus to downtown Oslo, on, you know, with some cafes on the street, but I'm pretty sure more than enough time for Neil to say, we're going to crash a plane into the back of the, the Freeport yeah, so that the protagonist <laughs> can respond with, you want to crash a plane. <laughs> All right. That's I, I do
1: love it. It, it, looks, it looks so great when you're just like your brain is turned off and you're just enjoying the movie. But like when we break it down like this is it's quite ridiculous. And it's also like, like this is a, this is a composition that would have made a lot of sense in like tenant or um,
0: inception where they're literally in dreams. But (laughs) I bet this does happen in, in inception and we should go back and look for them. (laughs) We we, I I, am trying to think like the, the scene with Ariane when they're walking through the, the street
1: feels like one location though
0: <laughs> yes it does it does yeah. i bet this happens in other nolan movies
1: also they're having this conversation on a crowded bus in a crowded airport right? uh, in a crowded towns so where are they just assuming that people in oslo don't speak english because i'm pretty sure probably one out of ten of them has conversational English skills.
0: Do you want to, like, how funny is it, like, if the protagonist is, like, you want to crash a plane and then, like, a passerby is just, like, eyes light up and he turns around and
1: he's, like... (laughs) Hey, hey, that dark-skinned American
0: is talking about... (laughs) Right? (laughs) And then, uh, well, Neil responds to that and says, well, not from the air. Don't be so dramatic. (laughs) Uh, Which is a great, great dialogue. And that's the end of my minute, actually. That brings us to... That brings us to the end. 3721. Um, There's been, I don't know. I've, I've actually really enjoyed the last three minutes of, uh, <laughs> of dissecting this, this movie.
1: The the one thing I'll say about that line is that like uh, the one thing I knew about this movie, because I was like not watching trailers in anticipation for it um, was that I knew that they crashed a plane for real. <laughs> and I was oh. like, excited to see that scene. <laughs> And then when I was like actually watching the movie and I realized, oh, they didn't crash it from the air. They just kind of drove it into a building. I was a little disappointed.
0: That's why I didn't, I didn't know that, but I, I did see all the trailers for the movie. So, and this, and that, that line is very prevalent in the trailer. Or I might have just the way this movie came out during the pandemic. I think
1: I was eventually spoiled for it, but like it, eventually I saw it, the crash and I was just like, oh, that's
0: it. (laughs) That pro- that's that shot probably cost them <laughs> tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, and I'm watching it on my phone
1: because <laughs> <laughs> there's not a theater within driving distance that was showing it for an entire year. <laughs> every I time stand, sitting there, sitting
0: there, going, "Oh, that's it." <laughs> every time you watch Tenant on your phone, Christopher Nolan dies a little. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's called, it's called not releasing it like every other movie <laughs> of that year. Uh, okay. That's my one really big rant about this movie.
0: Okay. Right. Am I up? Uh, blue team, you are up. Blue team
1: is up. Okay. So uh, to remind you where we are, we are with the protagonist and Priya um, in Oslo. Still. A lot of this takes place uh, there, actually. Um Now, I was a little confused last time about when this uh, takes place. So I I watched a little bit more of the movie to remember and get context and look through the script. Um, So for context, we are two days before the plane crash. Wait, no, I'm sorry. We are two days before the car chase. The plane crash had just happened. How do you know it's two days? Wait, wait, wait. They say it. They still say it in my next minute. Um so this is Yeah. They say it in my next minute.
0: Hold on. I gotta I wanna I wanna make sure I get this. So the plane crash happens after the car chase. No, 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 no. They they uninverted themselves. Right, right. I know that. Yeah. What happens like, like in real time, what happens first? The plane crash or the car, car chase? I feel like the, actually, I don't know.
1: (laughs) All things will solve eventually. Um, Just uh, just to spoil it it, in earlier, they, they say, I'm going to lose the algorithm to Seder in two days. To Priya.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So the protagonist is saying
1: this already happened to me. It hasn't happened to you yet. Um, Okay. So that's how I know that. Okay. Just to situate it. So this is happening kind of before events that already took place in the movie. Um, All right. Trippy stuff, but we're not talking about that. What the Priya is talking about is the algorithm itself and its inventor. And that's where we jump in at one hour, 47 minutes and 21 seconds. Protagonist just revealed he knows what the algorithm is. He says, tell me about it, Priya. Which Priya just launches into a full conversation about it. Like, okay, you know what it is. Let me tell you all about it. Uh, Priya says, it's unique. The scientists who built it took her own life so she couldn't be forced to make another one. Protagonist asks, a scientist in the future? Uh, Priya says, and I think this explains some things for us, some questions we had, generations from now, which I think we've we've wondered where its origin is. It's generations, more than one. You would say a generation is 25 to 50 years. So two of those, it's at least 50 years.
0: I always thought like at least 20 years. Yeah. 50 seems like a long generation. I wouldn't say 50. A
1: generation is kind of a hard thing to define, but it's kind of like a period in which a group of people all grew up together, experiencing the same culture and
0: have their same
1: shorthand. So,
0: right. I mean, you've got yeah. your your Gen X, which is like your '70s people, and then you've got your millennials, your '80s and '90s. No, no, we're Gen X. Oh no, uh, no I'm I'm on
1: the cusp of Gen X.
0: We're we're yeah, we're both are. I think yeah. And I I, and I yeah, I think I get along more with people in Gen X than I do in millennial with millennials, but. Like we're we're on that border, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, that's how I always describe it. And then after millennials are the, the Zoomers, right? I guess so. Yeah, Yeah. like my kids,
1: your kids will be Zoomers. Our our
0: kids are Zoomers, and now, but like the kids being born today aren't even Zoomers. I don't even know what they are. Well, right?
1: Yeah. Well, that's where it gets hard to define. They're probably on the cusp of being something else. Right. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) So just to define that, it's hard to define, but somewhere between 20 years. So we're probably dealing with at least 50 years, but if you think maybe more like a hundred, it's... Yeah, I think 50 to a hundred years minimum. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Which all that I'm trying to explain because I wonder how far these pieces had to travel backwards in the past, leapfrogging from one turnstile to another.
0: No, no, no. They don't... They just go through a turnstile once and then they get I don't buried. think they've they never been through a turnstile. What's
1: ne- the the algorithm? The algorithm. Humans go through the turnstile and move it into the past. It doesn't it doesn't act like an inverted object when they pick it up. Well, it could have been uninverted. Okay. So it was inverted at one time, but that it has, imply... it, it
0: has to be inverted to get back. How do you send objects back in time? The same you way, right? You, yeah, you bury you, them in a well, you invert and then you send them in an, an, an
1: email to a person in the future and tell them where it is.
0: That doesn't work, actually. The email doesn't work. It can't be an email. <laughs> or some sort of information
1: burst some it's sort gotta, of posterity document. What they gotta be, what you do is you create a
0: podcast and you yeah. have a moment called posterity time. <laughs> it's 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 a post-it. It's got to, you know, it's got to be handwritten. It can't be an email. I do you think a handwritten note's going to survive longer than an email? Email can, email has nowhere to go. You can't send an email to an address that doesn't exist yet. It's in the cloud. No, that's not how email works. <laughs> <laughs> So what, you put it on the
1: back of the Constitution in invisible ink? That is more plausible. <laughs> you have a lot of faith in democracy, my friend.
0: <laughs> I have faith in Nicolas Cage. We all do. In Nick, in Nick Cage, we trust. Okay, forget that
1: we've already talked about the email not working or working. Or... all. <laughs> uh, All right, so, all right, generations from now. That, again, we answer some questions and just leads to more. (laughs) Yeah, Priya says, generations from now. Protagonist asks, why did she have to kill herself? Now, this gets into, this is Christopher Nolan laying ground for his prequel. (laughs) Priya says, you're familiar with the Manhattan Project? As they approached the first atomic test, Oppenheimer became concerned detonation might produce a train reaction engulfing the world. Protagonists says they went ahead anyway and got lucky. <clears throat> well, not lucky for you know, two uh, Japanese cities, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> so protagonist says they went ahead anyway and got lucky. Priya says, think of our scientists as her generation's Oppenheimer. She devised a method for inverting the world but becomes convinced that by destroying us, they destroy themselves. Protagonist says, the grandfather paradox. It's the second time my phone's gone off during a recording. (laughs) (laughs) Priya says, think of our scientists as her generation's Oppenheimer. She devises a method for inverting the world, but becomes convinced that by destroying us, they destroy themselves. This is a confusing sentence. Say it again. Okay. Listen to this cur- like, and pay attention to the tense she's using. Think of our scientists as her generation's Oppenheimer. She devises a method for inverting the world, but becomes convinced that by destroying us, they destroy themselves. Yeah, I mean that's the snake eating its own tail within all within um, one sentence. Yeah. Think of our, so she's talking about our current day scientists as her generation's Oppenheimer. Like, so I don't understand uh, that actually. Yeah, it's it's so hard to uh, parse this out and but I think it's implying that like our current day scientists are leading to what her invention will someday do. So she looks back on them as the current Oppenheimer. So if you can go back and stop Oppenheimer from doing what he's doing. So she takes the knowledge that they devise to create the very thing that shouldn't be created and hides it in the past. I, I think is what she's trying to say with that. Like she, like, She's looking at what other scientists have done before her and saying they should have stopped back then. And then she takes it in her hands to <clears throat> to what what he says, the grandfather paradox, but what's also happening in this conversation, they're talking about the bootstrap paradox, right, which is if you like if I was to go back in time with a script of Tenet and hand it to Christopher Nolan and say one day, this would be your most divisive movie.
0: <laughs> no wait,
1: I'm going back with a with a copy of inception and saying one day this will be your masterpiece <laughs> before he's written it, and then he then makes that movie. But did he really make that movie right? And would that movie even look like the movie that I knew before I did that, or would it be something different or it would be, it, it's it, yeah, it's impossible to uh, create something that was handed to you instead of you creating and going through the process of the creation process so that that's the bootstrap paradox maybe i screwed it up a little bit <laughs> um okay so after that confusing sentence the protagonist says the grandfather paradox priya says unlike oppenheimer she rebels splitting the algorithm into nine sections and hiding them the blessed the best place she can think of. Protagonist says, The past, here, now. Priya answers, There are nine nuclear powers. So apparently all of them are nuclear. Nine bombs. Not, or maybe she's just relating this to Oppenheimer, but there yeah. seems to be some sort of radiation coming off of them. There are nine nuclear powers, nine bombs. Nine sets of the most closely guarded materials in history of the world. The best hiding places possible. Well, When she says bombs, I think that's just a metaphor. There are nine nuclear powers. I think what she's referring to is the nine, nu- nine countries that have nuclear weapons. Is that, nine is, bombs.
0: That, is that right? There's nine? I don't know. Hold on.
1: because I'm looking at the last sentence. The best hiding places possible. Are you looking up?
0: Yeah.
1: How many nuclear powers there are? I feel not like there's many. more than nine. America, Russia, or Soviet or, yeah, Russia.
0: India, uh, Pakistan, one, two, China. Wow! Yeah, there's. There's nine. So yeah, it's, there's not US... many. I got the five just in my head. US, America? Russia, UK, France, China, India, Pakistan, North Korea and Israel.
1: Yeah. So each so one is hidden in each country and none of them none of them are Norway. No. No. <laughs> where
0: most of this movie takes place. <laughs> I wonder where in the US it was. Hmm. Yeah, I bet it was. Was that right. the one they were chasing the whole movie? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question, right? The CIA mm-hmm. was involved, so maybe.
1: Well, besides nuclear weapons, there are also like they were in Ukraine in the beginning of the film.
0: Yeah, but Ukraine is sort of Russia. It goes back and forth. I they had nuclear weapons at one
1: time, right? Um, but not in this time period where the movie takes place. But they do right. have like, but nuclear power plants also have. Uh, you know, I don't know. All right, whatever. That's, this adds to more confusion. <laughs> in Pri- Man, this this part of uh, Priya's dialogue is really, this is harder to understand than the multi-worlds theory that she says in the next, uh, <laughs> she's really divulging a lot of information. Uh, and then uh, protagonist says, nuclear containment facilities, which is interesting because um, yeah, There are nuclear weapons, and then there are nuclear containment facilities which hold nuclear waste because there's a lot more nuclear waste that's produced from nations that have nuclear power plants. And right. there's a lot more pl- nuclear power plants in countries that don't have nuclear
0: weapons. Right.
1: Yeah. So yeah, just like, ra- radioactive material. Yeah, like getting power from plutonium is not hard. It's basically steam energy Uh However, actually splitting the atom in an explosion and putting that into a missile and throwing it at your enemy is way more complex.
0: Significantly harder,
1: yes. Yeah. Okay, so I think that kind of falls apart on its face, just facts-wise, right? Like, you could hide it with nuclear waste, too. Yeah, yes. Okay, then they go into talking about Sator after this. And that that's my next minute. That's what we talked about previously. Because that's when Priya says, Sator's lifelong mission, financed and guided by the future, has been to find and reassemble the algorithm from supposedly those nine uh, nuclear uh, powers. Whew. Was that your minute? That was my minute. Yeah, wow.
0: A lot to unfold there. God, I feel like Priya knows way more than she's letting on <laughs> I mean, she's not a very, she's not very good in espionage because she just, she gives up information too easily.
1: Unless she knows that this is her next play is once she loses the last, the one piece of the algorithm she has is to send the
0: protagonist off to steal it back for her. Maybe. I mean, I guess we, and we've questioned it before, like what is her ultimate motive she, she says to, a. in the next sentence,
1: in the next um minute, we discussed it, she reveals, oh, yeah, that was my plan all along to let you lose that one piece. So Seder will have all the pieces. So he brings it all together and I can have it for myself all at once.
0: So and she, she wants- sends in
1: and she sends in the Ives team.
0: Right. But why does she like, again, like, why does she want the whole algorithm? What is she planning to do with it? Yeah, is she gonna then divide it back up and hide it? Right.
1: Does she just want Sator's pieces? Yeah. It implies that like Sator, she's the last. She she's the last bastion that was trying to stop Sator from collecting all nine pieces, and she realizes that the only way to get the other eight back is to allow him to have the last piece, and then he'll put them all together. Um, but then that goes into our other problem of why do they all need to be together in one place? Why can't he just send out nine emails with nine different locations?
0: I don't Like, why can't they just devise a mission that invades Seder properties until they find the nine pieces, right? Like, I don't, I, I don't, like, from a risk perspective, letting him get the ninth piece so that he can assemble it. And bring it out into daylight seems more dangerous than, hey, let's put together like 10 tactical teams and go invade Seder and all these different places. But at least we'll have one of the pieces so that he could never detonate it. You know what I mean? Unless they
1: know from posterity that he's already done this and now she's has knowledge that this works. Yeah, that's... That's... I... But yeah. then we're in the or Boris part of that conversation now where wouldn't he wouldn't then Seder also have that information from somebody from the future
0: who outlives him? Well, yeah, you can you can always you can always do that until you're dead. And that's the that's the problem with <laughs> this movie. You could just keep you could just keep
1: <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. Which like, you know, it's spy versus spy.
0: Remember that from the Of course. Mad, <laughs> was it Mad Magazine or Cracked? Uh <laughs> That's a good question. I yeah, think it I think was it's... mad. Actually, I don't know. Mad um, I think
1: it's I'm gonna say Mad magazine, but it might be cracked magazine. Mad Magazine's a more popular one. But it was always like the there's a there's a spy who wore black and a spy who wore white. And everything the one spy did to try and trap the other spy, it would then turn out that that was what the other spy was anticipating. Yeah. But there
0: was I believe in the canon of those, there was also a female spy. I didn't know there was a spy versus spy canon. I thought they were, you know, new stories. Yeah, all, yeah. they both kill
1: each other at the end. Yeah. Or something. I can't. I, I'm trying to remember, but I feel like there was a female spy that was not in every kind of canonical episode. But when she showed up, they would both be like buffoons to her. Like they could neither of them could prosper while she was around. <laughs> I might look that up. Look, look forward to that in a future episode if we ever come back to that comparison
0: look forward to that in episode 38 but for (laughs) now this was episode 37 minute 37 thank you all for listening (laughs) to the tenement (laughs) podcast yes
1: thank you (laughs) you deserve (laughs) a lot of praise if you've made it this far
0: (laughs) if you've enjoyed this program take a moment to follow rate review on whatever service you found us on uh remember a hot dog is a sandwich (laughs) and rest assured we will continue our temporal pincer movement next week and until then we'll meet you at the beginning i'll see you at the beginning friend.